0: Welcome back to the MultiPod. I am your co-host today. My name is Ted, and with me is Vanessa.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: And we are joined by Levi, who is coming to us all the way from Cape Town, South Africa. Hi, everyone. Great to have you here. This, uh, this is shaping up to be a wonderful episode. It's something we've been looking forward to, getting to know your story and your background and uh, and sharing it with our wonderful listeners. We've had a fun time here over the past month or so basically getting back into the swing of things. We've put out some good episodes with uh, uh, K2 and uh, Jeff recently and we had our the first part one, just part one of our Putty Comp's audio extravaganza. There'll be more of that to come up too. So with this episode we are wrapping up the end of 2021. The year's come to an end here already and uh, getting to know Levi and what uh, has brought him to the Puttyverse and The many, many steps along the way, which uh, we're excited to hear about. So first of all, uh, I mean, how are you doing? How's the weather over there? What are you up to these days?
2: Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Ted and Vanessa. So I am calling in from Cape Town, South Africa. The weather here is pretty toasty. It's changing (laughs) seasons about that time of year when everyone's allergies are on high alert. So (laughs) it's been a beautiful evening out though. So one of those evenings where it's just kind of the bite of the heat of the day just kind of slowly sizzles away and you're left with like this zen temperature. I think that's the best way I can describe it. So yeah.
0: Oh, that's nice. Cape Town just looks like a beautiful place, beautiful city. I'd love to go there. Have you lived like most of your life there? Were you born there?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I I was born and bred Cape Townian. The only time I left home or left Cape Town for a significant chunk of my life was between 2014 and 18 when I studied in Chicago. But other than that, I have been pretty much a house, you know, resident Cape Town. Human. Nice.
1: <laughs> Where, so um, you said you studied in Chicago?
2: That's it. Yeah.
1: What did you study?
2: I studied pre-medicine uh, biomedical sciences. Yeah, it was kind of like a liberal arts school. So also majored in, uh, English and chemistry, I think yeah
1: oh cool okay and i think your profile on the Puttyverse says you recently completed courses on transgender medicine so you did pre-med and then now you've done these courses
2: yeah yeah so i would very much love to still go into medicine one day Uh, however my career prospects in as into like stream into the medical field looks rather Mm -hmm. bleak (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i'm just kind of yeah medical school super competitive here and they don't even count my degree degree really Um, having a degree actually makes it more difficult to get in so I'm just kind of like well (laughs) oh that's so interesting oh that's too bad
1: that's uh, I know it can be so complicated especially with international degrees transferring them across oceans and countries and yeah yeah yeah
0: so what do you have planned you know for the next little while getting into the new year what keeps you busy
2: I do currently uh, and since i've you know over the past few years, I kind of was trying to get into med school you know for the past few years, and that is a full time job in and of itself because mm-hmm. you have to study for all these exams and then there's you know trying to make a a tiny living on the side mm-hmm. with the little time you do have that's not preparing for exams. But how I did spend my time was through uh, tutoring mostly high school kids but also some you know middle school kids, you know just a bunch of subjects. And then I realized, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this. <laughs> and then uh, it kind of just developed and developed. And these days I have my own teaching business, education business that have now expanded kind of like into academic coaching, but then also um, tutoring and online. So having students in Beijing, San Francisco, Cape Town, it's it's like really cool wow. Um I'm able to kind of like apply many of my more creative side things that I otherwise would not have had the chance to really do if I had been in med school. So in a, a weird way, it, it seems like it's, it's panning out in that I'm able to still use my gifts to, you know, help and reach out and still make an impact, even if it isn't in the very direct 902 like chicago fire slash
0: chicago (laughs) meds
1: type
2: situation way
1: you know yeah yeah that's great
0: what kind of teaching and tutoring is it is it for particular subjects yeah so mostly people come to me with you know requests for
2: particular subjects um i tutor maths english afrikaans chemistry physics biology um afrikaans is the a language that is spoken in southern africa and very similar to dutch so i can understand dutch mm-hmm. as well um, which is handy mm. but yes yeah, so those are the subjects that I, I teach but then after a while what i realized is that most of the students who come to me they don't really need help as much help with the subject specific content as they do with things like confidence goal setting mm. time management stre- uh, anxiety you know how did we deal with this and it's also, you know, being a teenager, such precarious years, you're, the rose-colored lenses are starting to fall off and just kind of teens are stuck with all these realities and pressures and finding their feet. So I realized that, whoa, sometimes more than the help, they just need to know how to breathe, like sit and <laughs> take some mindful breaths. So I always mm-hmm. start lessons with things like that. So um yeah, still kind of, Because this is literally brand new, I just started really picking up business in the last few months. So I'm still kind of looking at a direction for what, how to refine my skills and put tools in my toolbox to better serve my students. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now.
1: I just uh, I was laughing as you were talking about um, them needing to take breaths because my husband is a teacher and he teaches elementary school and he teaches music. And so as soon as the kids come into the room, they start with breathing exercises because they just are all over the place and they need to focus (laughs) and center themselves. And he also is all over the place. So he needs to focus and center themselves. So I love that you do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Did you um, follow like a, a kind of a program to get the business set up or were you able to basically build it from scratch yourself?
2: Uh, so I did build it from, well, as, uh, initially I bought it from scratch myself. So I literally had uh, zero capital. I had just my laptop and at first a very sketchy internet connection. <laughs> but just with that, <laughs> I started, I think with like Facebook and some really weird escapades in Facebook ads that were just badly targeted. And literally, I, <laughs> I'll never forget. I once had um, a student contact me who wanted help and his name was Lay Z. <laughs> As in like, Lay space Z. I was like, hmm, okay, Lay Z. But anyways, so yeah, very interesting starts. But then from there, it kind of just developed into. Um, I had my first student, and from there, I got a referral, and then I got another referral. And then just through word of mouth, it just kind of blossomed. And then I still did the social media thing for a while, it's kind of on hiatus now. Yeah, I, the whole expanding really took off. I actually started doing a course, an uh, online course, and it was called the Launch Course from Freelancing Freedom. And it was pretty much like the whole premise of the course is um, how do you choose your direction? How do you niche? How do you do all these positioning things, these actual businessy things that I had not really explored before? Because I just thought I was, oh, I'm just going to rock up, teach some kids some stuff, you know. But then <laughs> act, the actual structure, I think this course has helped phenomenally to just, you know, help me find some structure and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've been taking a oh, course cool. called, um, yeah. um, by freelancing freedom and yeah. Really we could cool. put
1: that in the show notes too for listeners if they're interested in having a resource. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. That's a good Yeah, one. that's awesome. So are you still doing this as a solopreneur kind of thing? Are you the only one? Are you looking to bring people in too?
2: Yeah. So I am currently a solopreneur, yeah. And um, for now, I feel like I'm at a point where because the, it's so early in the Businesses lifespan, I guess. Uh, I'm still just keeping it solopreneur so that I can really work on refining the the goals, the values of the business. Mm. And then once I've really established that and honed it in, because I haven't, I I know that there's going to be an element of resilience, grit, wisdom, compassion, and really compassionate education. I think that's like a something that tends to go missing when uh, things go into big systems, right? It's compassion and that that connection that even happens so well online. It doesn't need um, some of my students who I saw in person actually prefer online, just due to the resources and to the due to the fact that they're away from the. External stimulus and they kind of feel like with the screen that they can focus more, so anyways, mm. all that is to say that still very much solar premier days just so that to establish the the ground principles do the groundwork, and then kind of attract the energy that I'd like to give out you know so that's the the hope cool, yeah,
0: yeah. that sounds fabulous I mean it sounds like you're really onto something you know in doing providing a service that people really need and that's fulfilling and satisfying and also really taps into, I'm sure, your multi potentiality and teaching is wonderful for that. Cause even as you said, like you're, you're tutoring in all kinds of different subjects. It's not like just one subject. So you, you really can cast a wide, uh, a wide scope, I guess, but that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I'm just right off the bat. If anyone listening, you know, I'm sure wants to learn more and how to, kind of do this themselves, they, I'm sure they can reach out and chat with you and, and we can bring it up in our entrepreneurs group and stuff like that. Like, this, this is a really interesting business idea with lots of potential for sure, anywhere in the world also. So that's cool. How do you, um, How do you kind of square then where you're at now with like, you know, your life and your work and your business with, I guess, your journey up to this point and ideas and kind of expectations that you may have had over the years? How does it feel, you know, thinking back on that journey and where you've ended up?
2: Yeah. Wow. Ooh, expectations. What a loaded (laughs)
0: one.
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I feel like if we're to talk in expectations, then my life, you know, the expectations that I had for myself uh, back in the day, I would probably be, you know, say that it would be, oh, I failed and I failed so many times and I would have just, you know, mulled over and rolled around and reveled in that failure. Mm -hmm. You know, I know until, that feeling. I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> and do. just be a sorry sod and just stay there. But yeah, so. But then I think some really significant things just happened that kind of allowed me to see those failures as opportunities for growth and for opportunities for new life. And I use this analogy of a type of plant that grows in that's native to um, the region I live in. Um, the western cape of south africa it's called feinbos which means fine leaf in afrikaans and Mm. it's the most diverse biome in the world literally it's part of the most diverse biome in the world in terms of the most compact and diverse so in a small amount of area there's like huge variety of plants in this feinbos biome anyway so what it does is they're extremely hardy plants but every few years, there'll be these massive fires and these fields of beautiful flowers will just burn out and burn to ashes. But that's a necessary part of the plant's life cycle. They need to burn in order to be rejuvenated, almost like a phoenix or something else. Right. And that's what I feel like what wow. kind of happened in my life is I just completely burned out. But then from those ashes just rose this this beautiful protea, this this fame boss, this like almost phoenix, I guess. So, yeah, um, that was a bit of a trip. So I forgot the question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, I guess just asking about like your journey and um, did your expectations line up with what has happened thus far and where you've gotten so far and that kind of thing. That's an amazing analogy, though. I've never heard of those flowers. So I'm very curious about those.
2: Sweet, sweet. Yeah, maybe we can put those in the notes, too, because they are beautiful.
1: Yeah, I'll have to Google them for sure. (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
2: All right, cool. So yeah, expectations, man. So growing up I was always wanted to go to the USA. In high school I had this goal that I wanted to go to the USA and play mm-hmm. tennis on a scholarship. Now bear in mm-hmm. mind that when I was like, you know, in like little school, I was always bullied and at first I thought it was because I was like um a little bit chubby, but you know, or I always thought there was something, or because of um my genders and stuff, my gender and stuff like that, that I was just, I wasn't conforming to the gender that I was at the time. So Mm. that was was, also like, you know, uh, made me feel like a bit of an outcast. So how I kind of survived with life was just through performing. And so Mm. I did really well at tennis. I did go to the USA and I played tennis, Chicago, and I was like, you know, freshman of the year and Got all these accolades and everything was going grand. And then life smacked me in the face and I got really sick um, to the point where I was three weeks away from graduating and I found myself uh, in hospital, in a psychiatric hospital, to be completely blunt. And I was diagnosed with anorexia. And then I was like, wait, what? How did I get here? Like, I was like, you know, really thriving. I was on a roll. How did we get here? And then, of course, looking back, I can see now how I did. But at the time, I really just felt that failure. And I, I think that if that was the end of my story, the expectations would have just overwhelmed me. And I would have, you know, that would have been the end. Thankfully, though, it wasn't the end. And I still got to walk at graduation. So that was great. Mm. But I needed a lot like more treatment and stuff like that. So uh, instead of uh, carrying on and working in a hospital in Chicago, which was the plan, I traveled back to South Africa and Cape Town and went into treatment for a couple of months. Um, and while I was in treatment, that was when I really, for the first time, actually had to sit and realize that the expectations and pressures I'd been putting on myself were really just super perfectionistic and super self-sacrificial as well. I grew up in a belief system that said that in order to be full and in order to be a good person, you had to give more of yourself and just keep giving and giving. And then I, I kind of gave too much to the detriment of my own health. Mm. Fast forward a little bit. And then I think that that whole journey with that, my um, anorexia, I kind of realized that it was just like an addiction. I myself, for one, usually I, I felt like how on earth did I get this disease because I never wanted to be thin. Like I didn't aspire to be like, like that was never my goal mm. <laughs> or at least not directly, you know. Yes, I was a chubby kid, but it wasn't like, I didn't want to go there. So how did I get here? Mm-hmm. But I realized that functions as an addiction, and there's even just like you get Alcoholics Anonymous. There's Anorexics and Bulimics Anonymous. There's Eating Disorders Anonymous. There's all these fellowships for people with eating disorders. And I was sitting there like, ah, I'm not an addict, blah blah blah. But then after a while, I realized, oh, I can I can relate to this this guy, this alcoholic. I can relate to this drug addict. Like how? And then through, um, I used the 12-step program um, to help on that recovery journey, and then I realized that, whoa, actually, things like food and work, if it gets to the point, and it did for me, where it just becomes a replacement uh, for living life, uh, something to numb out reality with. So I was usually like literally just using like starvation to numb out from reality. I remember my first month in treatment, they would ask, how are you feeling today? And I would just say, numb, like just numb. Mm. <laughs> Every day I was just numb. The next emotion was anger. You know, that's the go-to for, for males. We just, oh, I'm so angry. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the next one. Uh, but anyway, so how that then in the end to get back, man, this is a tangent from expectations, but there we go. Um, <laughs> I was in treatment and I um, definitely didn't expect the whole addict thing to happen. But then once I embraced it and fully accepted it, I could actually start the healing process. And so what that looked like looks different for everyone. But for me, it definitely looked like a lot of reckoning with my spirituality and with my religion at the time, which I realized a lot of my self-destructive tendencies had their root in something that looked so good and I kind of justified like you know self-destructive stuff using my religion so that was something that I really had to work through and surf through and so yeah uh, balancing that out or moving forward I then realized that hey the only way that I can actually love and love a full life is by embracing all parts of myself, and one part of myself that really came up during treatment was like, "Why do I feel so disconnected from my body to the point where I would starve myself like that for like you know days. And um, then it came out that I started journaling and I came out that I was transgender and then I was like, wait, this can't be true. This can't be right. Like, whoa, me, never. And then I started going to support groups for transgender people and people were just telling stories about how they were getting kicked out by their families. And, um, you know, it's that just rejected and public restrooms. And I was like, no, thanks. (laughs) See you guys later. Mm. It's not for me, Mm. not me. Bye. Good Mm. luck. (laughs) And I kind of ran away. Of course, that didn't work and um, because one person that I, uh, that I realized the only person that I have to live with 24-7, 365 for the rest of my life is myself, and I just yeah. couldn't live with myself at that point. My eating disorder was getting really bad in terms of overwhelming, and I just had to embrace myself, and I then read a line from The Gifts of Imperfection in Brene Brown. Mm, I love her. Oh, isn't she the bomb.com?
1: <laughs> yeah, she's great.
2: Currently reading dating Greatly.
1: Oh yeah, I need to read that
2: too. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely one for the reading list. So then yeah, and the line just said something along the lines of, in her research, she realized that people who she calls wholehearted, people who are loving full lives and embracing reality as it is, they accept all parts of themselves and people who don't. And then she lists all the things that happen to them. They land up in addiction, they get eating disorders. And I was like, oh, this is my story of my life. This is what's happening. (laughs) And it was at that moment that I realized, yeah, yeah, that I couldn't run away. And then it actually became a journey of reconciling the different parts of myself, including the gender, which is a good part. But then I was also extremely into my faith at that time. So reconciling those two parts. But then also family and what is everyone going to say and all these things. So, yeah, through that journey, I think I was able to finally at last release myself of those expectations, professional expectations as well. Because, hey, if I could literally be reborn in this kind of cool, tangible, visible way, then, of course, it can happen career-wise as well. So. Yeah, I guess that's it.
0: <laughs> Thanks very much for sharing this. Mm-hmm. It's it's very inspiring and very encouraging and I think it gives it gives me strength. It gives I, I'm sure a lot of us strength just to hear those words and to to think about what you this journey that you've been through and it's an ongoing journey. I mean, it's I'm sure you'd agree like it's not something you reach an end necessarily. It just keeps evolving. Yeah. And so you're at a certain point, you know, along that journey right now, but have you felt, or at least was there a point then when you were able to get some maybe more concrete support from some kind of community or, you know, friends or or at least other people to help you with that part of, you know, where you're really taking the next step in the journey?
1: Yeah, I'm also curious along those lines if the acceptance part in the culture that you're living in when it comes to like you realizing you know what, I'm transgender and just living that truth.
2: Ah, yes. Yeah, that is a biggie. So I found myself extremely mm. lucky, um, you know, when I initially, um, so I first came out to my, you know, tied it out to a few of the people I was in treatment with first, because they were kind of removed from my immediate family. It was, Mm -hmm. uh, I I found it like a low stakes Mm -hmm. environment because these aren't the people I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. And then after that, I actually had a neighbor who was a good family friend and she was very much into gender studies. And she, um, we went on a walk once and she spoke very openly about how, she deals with a lot of transgender women and their issues. And she finds it like the injustices that they have to face on a daily basis. And I was like, wow, you're someone who's trans friendly. And so then mm-hmm. I shared with her and I also shared with her that I was scared of telling my, my family and especially my parents, because of all the stories I'd heard of, you know, people who had loving parents who then picked them out. And that was the expression of love because, you need to learn a lesson and Mm -hmm. let me teach you this lesson and you'll come back and they'll come around one day and all that. And it was also quite personal for me because while I was in college, I had only ever met two other transgender people. The one was kicked out of the house and the other, while I was in treatment, I got an email from universities to say that she had committed suicide. So for me, yeah, thanks. Um, but yeah, for me, the numbers that we see, like these sky-high stats that we see on transgender people, they're more than just statistics for me. I see faces. I see people. Mm. Yes. Uh, so I just knew that I did not want to become the next statistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was speaking to this neighbor friend on our long walk. And then she said, you know, your parents put you through treatment. They saw you at your worst. They will accept you. They, and they love you no matter what. Mm. And so I was like, okay, cool. It's fine. And then I um, I told my dad, and being a dad, he was just like, oh, okay, whatever. Um,
1: <laughs> that's actually probably one of the better responses you could have gotten. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. I think it just kind of, it was more of like it, it didn't quite click, like, you know, what was happening. Yeah. So he was just playing it cool because he was like, right. but you've always been a boy, like boyish. So, uh, yes. the, you know, so he didn't quite click. Yeah. Um, ongoing process, but yes, there we are. my mom took a heavy knock it definitely affected her yeah she got like you know she got affected even physically just from the news so Mm -hmm. that was quite heavy at first and for the first while although I was really lucky that they never once denied me or outright rejected me there was a lot of of course getting used to things and it was a journey to go from you know this person that you I guess they brought me into this world and brought me up one way and it's like, Oh, actually now it's the other way now. So it took a while, but throughout they were extremely supportive way more so than a lot of the stories that I had heard. So I feel extremely lucky, almost sometimes I feel like it's surreal that I would get this much support. They, mm-hmm. That's from my, my parents' side, but also from my ex- more extended family. I had family in the States that whom I stayed with while I was studying there, and they also were also supportive and used my correct pronouns and everything. Mm. Mm. And so, yeah, I think we've really come a long way in terms of family, in terms of the social setting of Africa. South Africa has a more supportive constitution than the United States. Oh, really? But that's talking about the constitution. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. that's
1: very interesting.
2: It is. I mean, we had opportunity because in 94, democracy, that was when our constitution started getting a good update. So it's more recent. Mm -hmm. So I guess Mm -hmm. that helps. Mm
1: -hmm. That's awesome.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, however, major gap between the laws and people's social acceptance. Right. So in the States, there's way more social acceptance that I can, you know, from my time there. Yes, it's more polarized. I feel like, like you get some states where it's okay, and then others where it's not okay, and that kind of thing, or or people and stuff like that. Whereas in South mm-hmm. Africa, it's the majority is severely transphobic, homophobic to the point where we have uh, like practices such as corrective rape, where it's really just intense and transgender people and even just uh, gay and lesbian people will be assaulted for who they are. And people will then say, yeah, that's right. You deserve that because you need to be shown how it's naturally supposed to go.
1: Mm. And so makes me sick to my stomach.
2: Yeah. That, that (sighs) is quite, quite sickening. It really is. And thankfully that's well, I shouldn't say thankfully, because it's not thankfully, but in, rural communities it's more prevalent than in urban settings and since I live in the suburbs of a city I have a bit of a a safety bubble like if if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um Cape Town is the I guess you could call it like the San Francisco of South Africa (laughs) (laughs) so it's a bit safer down here but socially yeah it's definitely going to take a long time before it becomes safe and yeah africa as a whole is oh it's it's just really sad it's it's really sad there's mm-hmm. still death penalties in two countries and in most countries it's illegal to be in yeah. same sex marriages and being transgender is often conflated with being gay or lesbian so yeah it's mm-hmm. it's not right. even on the cards so yeah
1: i really appreciate you sharing all of this information. I we talked before we started recording about how my husband is trans and I just have so much compassion and understanding to a certain point of what you're going through. We are in Canada. It's a lot different in Canada, but you know, his parents had to go through an acceptance period as well and there was a lot of like grieving the person, let's the gender the gender assigned at birth that my husband was and the process of acceptance. And now, I mean, his parents are just like amazing. And my parents accepted it right away as well. Never any question. My parents probably had an easier time, but it's not, but my husband is not their child. So there you go. But um, yeah, I just, I have so much like compassion and, and my heart just goes out to you and to the other people in these cultures, these countries, these places that are having more of a struggle. I feel extremely privileged and I recognize that privilege of where I live and where I was brought up and the family I was brought up in, et cetera. And this is just me blabbering at this point, but I just really appreciate you being so candid about telling your story. I I actually think that to a certain point, we do have to be really candid about these kinds of things in order to have the awareness and learn about what needs to be fixed. And I'm never going to be able to fix anything in South Africa because I'm not South African, but still having that awareness and our listeners hearing it and having that awareness is just like so important just across the globe, you know?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. And understanding. I mean, I, I want to try to understand what it's like to walk in your shoes, mm-hmm. you know, just to be able to empathize better and to understand what, I guess a day-to-day is like for you, what the reality is like. Do you feel you carry yourself like personally, the burden to, you know, educate or make others feel more comfortable? That's a,
2: yeah, I think that question is quite pertinent just because often, you know, I remember at the very beginning of my transition, way before I had any business being an activist, I was like, I want to be an activist because I feel almost as if, yeah, there is definitely a part of me that's like, yes, I need to educate. But there's another part of me that's like, now that I have a bit more wisdom and experience in my, within myself, but also as a trans person and the trans community, just taking a step back and realizing that it's not my business to educate other people. And first things first, I got some really great advice from my GP who's trans herself and also a phenomenal human being inspired me so much
1: oh that's awesome
2: yeah I mean my doctor's trans and yeah mm-hmm. she's amazing like just really I can sing her places all day but she gave me some <laughs> really awesome advice she said that you know Levi you will never be able to change someone's beliefs or opinions about you yeah especially if they're on the extreme sides of the polls yep. so just like you'll Never, for example, like to put it in the U.S. context, get an extreme Trumpist to like, you know, support an extreme, like, I don't know, Bidenist, even though they were running in different terms. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. yeah. There are still Trumpers out there. So it's actually oh,
2: really yeah. <laughs> good. Oh, gosh. Good luck.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: But um, yeah. So but you can persuade the people who are on the fence. There are many people on the fence or many people who want to be compassionate, but they just don't know how. So true. Uh, There are many people who are trying to understand, but the way that they're trying to understand is more harmful than anything else. (laughs) So, Mm,
1: And sometimes they don't recognize that it's harmful because they just don't know. They don't know what they don't know.
2: (laughs) Precisely, precisely. So yeah, yeah, that helped me just to take some bit of a perspective check and be like, yeah, I need to focus on those people if and when I choose to engage. Yeah. These days, when I do engage, I usually do it more in a how can I say, like a policy setting. So I'm actually interested and I'm part of groups that are rallying to get healthcare or medical aid schemes, medical insurance to cover gender-affirming healthcare. Nice. Because it's currently seen as cosmetic, which means that mm. uh, we have to pay for all our surgeries out of pocket if you are in the private sector, mm-hmm. which is ridiculously expensive. And mm-hmm. if you're in the public sector, thanks to COVID, there's now a 25-year waiting list.
1: Whoa. Whoa.
2: Just to give you an idea, I waited a year for an appointment and then COVID hit and I still haven't seen someone. So um
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah,
2: it's it's not probably gonna happen in the public sector. So we're looking at ways to get people to give us the health care we deserve and need in order to live healthy and full lives, as has been proven by the leading bodies in the world, including the World Health Organization. I mean Mm-hmm. If the organization who got the whole world to go into lockdown says, yeah. give trans people <laughs> their freaking basic health care, you best better do it. hundred <laughs> you know?
1: percent.
2: Right. So, yeah, in terms of being an activist, the best way I can do that is through just being a compassionate human being, through being someone who's open to listen if you are willing to learn. Mm. So yeah. that's always how I go in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You said so many key things there. Like you can't change other people. You can't change their perception of you. You can only control what you do. And sometimes you can't even control that. Let's be honest. Yeah. So it's it's pointless to even try to change the mind of somebody who's just never going to have their mind changed. Like, yeah, you have to. And then you have to have hmm. that. You've said some things in there that make me think that you have to just also have that compassion for yourself to know whether or not you want to engage in something because that can also be traumatizing and stressful for yourself. And watching my husband, he has this thing he says all the time where he's like, you know, he's, he's really privileged and lucky in that he's passing very, very well. Mm. And for him, that's great because he doesn't have to come out all the time. Yeah. And Mm. he's in situations where he's able to choose whether or not he's going to come out yeah, you have to be compassionate with yourself and know your boundaries and when you are going to be the one to initiate those things. So I, I think that's so important.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And maybe that's the role for society, generally speaking, for us, any of us as individuals, for our leaders, anyone in position of influence is to encourage people to get to that point where they're ready to learn. Mm -hmm. I think that's not on your shoulders, Levi, you know, anyone in in your position, but the rest of us, that's what we can do is at least try to encourage it. And and it's in all kinds of ways, you know, in media, in uh, politician speeches, let's say, in just the way we talk to each other is making it more, say, familiar, commonplace and getting people who are more resistant and not, you know, quite sure about it themselves to, okay, can we at least get you to a point where you're ready to learn? Yes. And then there's an opening for someone like Levi to if you know if he wants to, of course, but to step in and kind of take them to the next part of of that journey.
1: Yeah. That's so well said. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That would definitely make the the world a much more deceptive place for for one. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so much more I think it would be so much more livable, diverse, and beautiful if that was possible, you know? And so yeah, thanks for that, Ted. I think that was key because yeah, a major challenge that I, I, I feel like a lot of people might also have is just this kind of like a feeling that you're speaking to a brick wall. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, sometimes I feel like I'm speaking to a brick wall when I speak to people or even right now I have someone who's in South Africa on social media who's being harassed mm. because of their transness and like nothing's being done mm. because, you know, it's just... Yeah. People don't understand what it means to be trans and how to respect trans people. So I feel like you know that opening makes a huge difference. If people are become receptive, then that mm. provides opportunity. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Ugh, I feel like I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, well, I this has just been wonderful, and I want to wrap up by bringing it back to the Puttyverse and what brought you to this community, how you found out about it in the first place, and what led you to to joining, what the experience of that has been like. You joined the group in about the middle of twenty twenty one in July. So, so yeah, what uh, what brought you to the Puttyverse?
2: Yeah, so interestingly enough, I followed upon the Puttyverse when a friend on Facebook posted this thing and was like. Oh my goodness. I just took this quiz and it says that I'm this type of person called a multi potentialite. And (laughs) I was like, why does this sound so familiar? So I went and took the quiz and I found Emily and I was like, Oh yeah, I watched that Ted talk. (laughs) And then it's always the Ted talk. It's always the Ted talk. But then I read more into the community and I was like, Oh wait, there's actually an online group for this. Now, around July was around the time when I realized and kind of the fact came home that I would probably not get into med school anytime soon, (laughs) if ever. Mm. So I was looking at options. I was desperately grabbing for like any like piece of thread, you know, that would lead Mm -hmm. me into a community that would get me somewhere. (laughs) And it felt like because I myself have so many different interests, um, learning education all the nerdy stuff but i'm also really active i love being outdoors i love physical activity there's so much great nature out here so i love all of that stuff and very spiritual as well so all these facets how could i combine all of it like you know find ways to not kind of have all of these parts accepted and cherished and meet other people i think that was my main purpose in joining the party verse was just meeting other people who also felt like they didn't have one set direction in life, who went to a liberal arts school maybe because they didn't know what they wanted to do or didn't want to do what everyone else told them to do. So yep. that's why that's I me. came, I guess, <laughs> just to find other people. Yeah, yeah. like that's me. Nice.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. What kind of um, things have you been involved in so far? Any particular groups or you know huddles or events you've been part of? Stand out?
2: Yeah, so I've done a few like a few of the events. I've done like the uh, game show event.
1: Oh, that looked so fun. I missed it.
2: <laughs> oh, it was so fun. And what was that one game that we played? I can't even remember it. I think it was called like the platypus or something like that. But it was like really random kind of like, oh, the multi-potentialite game. That one. So I've done a couple awesome. of the entrepreneurs' huddles, the coaches' huddles on the forums quite a bit. Quite enjoy posting, you know, just kind of feeding back and like, when there are polls, those things as well, and I particularly enjoy the forum discussions that have to do with either a little bit of the big questions on life or just the really random mm. abstract. so those are kind of like my my favorites
1: nice cool that's awesome i'm I'm happy to hear that you're so active and that you've really like found this community where you feel like you can be active and involved and (laughs) you're making me go, oh, I really need to check in with the verse more because I just get overwhelmed with my life and then I sort of forget to log in and then I'm like, oh, there's so many cool things happening. And Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah happens to me too but whenever i do check in <laughs> then it's great yeah. so
1: yeah yeah totally and that's the nice thing about the verse is people come and go and take time off and come back and it's yeah. so relaxed in that way and people always will be like welcome back mm-hmm. like you know yeah it works great
2: cool. oh i forgot to mention the one thing that actually got me in the first place the offers and needs oh, okay. market which ted hosted that was great yeah cool.
1: <laughs> uh, nice
0: nice yeah we um we're, we're planning so on cool. doing that uh fairly often you know every two or three months or so and it's a great way great great way to connect with people and to do it in kind of a purposeful way like you have something an objective you know something to get out of it you have something to offer something you need mm-hmm. so it's a constructive conversation and connection with someone it's a it's a great thing to do so yeah, uh, yeah i think we'll be doing another one probably late january or so so uh we'll let everybody know about that
2: sweet yeah. awesome
0: well, you go by the name of a Serial Optimist, and it's, it's exactly it. your personification of it. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> just been wonderful I to hear it. your story, and 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 even just scratching the surface. I know because, like so many of us, you've got uh, all kinds of interests and activities and plans and and other experiences to share. So we'll we'll get you back on the show here for sure. Everyone listening, you know, feel free to reach out to Levi and, and leave a message. What's the best place to find you on the internet? Do you want to point people towards LinkedIn or Instagram or anything like that?
2: Sure. So if you want to find me on Instagram, um, that's where I've kind of done like my whole story thing in more detail. So if anything resonated with you about my personal story, then you can find me at levi.is.present. That's my handle at levi.is.present. And for more businessy things, that is very exciting because <laughs> I don't, my website hasn't launched yet, but I have bought a domain for it. So I guess I'll say for the businessy side of things, watch the space. Nice. And also um, my handle on the Puttyverse is at Serial Optimist. So you'll find me as Serial Optimist. Please do message me. Yeah. I'll look forward to any messages if you like.
0: Great.
1: I just followed you on Instagram. <laughs>
0: Oh, sweet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I'm going to do this right now.
0: (laughs) Cool. Yeah, so we'll put all those links in our notes here for everyone to find. And uh, this episode should be coming to you uh, over the holidays here at the end of 2021. So it's been a great way to to wrap up the year and uh, give everyone some inspiration and, and positive vibes over the holidays. We wish everybody listening a happy holiday season. And uh, Mm -hmm. Levi, thanks so much for being here. We'll talk to you again for sure soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much.